0: Welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to women in the music industry and the challenges that they face. Each episode features songs by your new favorite band and where you can find them. Come on, the show is starting. I'll see you guys at the front. and welcome back to Rebel Hearts. This is finally episode 42. It's taken me a while to do another episode because if we're being honest here, which we always try to be, every time I went to sit down and write an episode, I got into a really big panic because I wasn't in a great headspace to put myself out there again since the last episode. Putting yourself out there for the internet to do whatever they want with you is a terrifying reality. I never get over doing this podcast. But despite all of that, I love putting out episodes and listening to you guys respond to things. So... If you're still listening, thank you, and I just, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate everything that you guys always do and say and just everything all around because it is really hard putting yourself out on the internet and doing anything, podcasting, music, writing, anytime you do that for the masses, it's just always a really scary thing because you don't know how people are going to react, you don't know if people are going to love it, hate it, say stuff about you, or really anything, so just with anything I hope that you guys um, understand that I still love doing this and I will continue to do it, but sometimes it's just, you know, I want to give you a hundred percent and if I'm not giving a hundred percent, then it's not worth it. So without further ado, let's get it started again. Now, since I've been on what I'm calling a break, even though it hasn't really been that long, a lot of shit has really happened and I feel like I've only been really gone for like a month, month and a half, but just so much has happened. A lot of really good music has dropped, so that's awesome. This episode will be kind of a compilation of important articles and events that I wanted to come back with. A lot of it I tried to piece together, but if things just don't make sense, I'm sorry in advance. I did my best, but there's a lot of things that I just needed to say because I felt that they were important. So the first being Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj is being talked about a lot recently because she was doing a collab with the very horrible human being six nine, whose real name is Daniel Hernandez. That's important because, uh, in a minute I will get to that, but his name is Daniel Hernandez. For those who are like me and are unfamiliar with who that is, he's a rapper who has pled guilty to using a 13-year-old child in a sexual performance when he was 18 years old. I'm just reading what is on the Wikipedia page where it says that and there are allegedly, well not really allegedly, there are three videos that have surfaced in relation to this, which Wikipedia wrote... Uh, the child engages in oral sexual intercourse with the separately charged defendant, Taquan Anderson, while the defendant, Daniel Hernandez, stands behind the child, making a thrusting motion with his pelvis and smacking her on the butt. The child is nude in the video. The other videos show the child sitting on the lap of Hernandez while her breasts are groped by Anderson and later sitting naked across the laps of Anderson and Hernandez. It also says on July 12, 2018, he was arrested in New York for an outstanding warrant related to an incident where he allegedly choked a 16-year-old in Houston's Galleria Mall in January 2018. So, needless to say, Nikki collaborating with this person made a lot of people upset and uncomfortable. Going back to what Pat and I talked about in a previous episode, Nikki was immediately canceled by a lot of people, which was ridiculous, seeing as how so many people are still supporting people like 6 9 People don't seem to cancel those who work with problematic people unless they are women. Johnny Depp, still working. Chris Brown, still working. Casey Affleck has a new movie coming out I literally just had to see a trailer for. But Nikki, nope, canceled. Now, I don't agree with artists working with people this awful and that have done awful things. They should never be forgiven for it. Um, That's just my personal opinion. Even if you grow and learn to do better, I just think that if you do anything to a child or if you're abusive or if you're this, you're that, that's not something that we can forgive and recover for. I just think that all around, it's just an unforgivable thing. But what lines does everybody draw when they cancel people? Because apparently beating your pregnant girlfriend isn't that big of a puggaboo for people. But this is where people draw the line, apparently. It's utterly ridiculous how people only draw a line if that's if what's unforgivable when it pertains to women. A lot of people out there won't support Beyonce because she was cheated on. That's a real thing people have said. And I'm sure if you go online, you can probably find it. But people have literally said that to my face that they will not support her because she took Jay-Z back because he cheated on her. That's their reasoning. It's fucking crazy. People won't support Rihanna because she tried to allegedly ruin Chris Brown's career and he's so talented. He's a triple threat. Oh my God, run into such a jam. Don't you remember? Love that summer. It's not some feminist complaint fairy tale people are just making up for fun and just to complain. This shit is real. What makes me even more disgusted is how when ex-technician or I'm pretty sure that's his name or whatever, was murdered, people suddenly felt nobody deserves to get murdered. Meanwhile, these are the same people who preach, kill your local rapist, kill your local drug dealer. Abusers should never breathe again. Anybody that hurts a child should be this, that, and the other thing. But this man who has a longer bio page of felonies and assaults that he has, you know, committed is the exception because he rapped about depression fuck that the people who supported him and said he made good music and didn't deserve to die while also knowing all the shit that he did but then he isn't canceled before or after death even after death people were like yeah he rapped about this he rapped about mental health oh my god he was great but nikki does a collab with someone just as shitty as ex-technician and we cancel her We don't even have to cancel the person who did all these crimes. We cancel her. What the fuck? I'm just so exhausted by this cancel culture. It's like nobody. I shouldn't say nobody, but people aren't canceling 6ix9ine, but they're canceling Nikki for collabing with him. What the fuck? It's just uh, I can't wrap my head around it it's it's just utterly ridiculous this cancel culture has got to stop you know if you guys want to cancel people cancel people like Casey Affleck and Johnny Depp and Chris Brown for God's sake I mean how how long and how many things does this guy have to do for us to cancel him like what the actual fuck people just oh my god but to wrap up my final thoughts about this specific situation because I have other things to talk about believe it or not I do not agree with artists collaborating with shitty people, but I also don't agree with canceling some people and not others with no baseline whatsoever other than this person is a woman. Nikki also pushed back her album and is now being released in August of this year. And that's all I really have to say about Nicki Minaj on this episode. It's just mind boggling to me. So I mentioned earlier in this episode, a lot of new music dropped and also just music I have recently become a huge fan of has just come into my life since the last time I did a la- the, the last episode. For this episode specifically, you guys are going to get a few songs. You're not going to just get two. It's mostly because the artists I wanted to play have already been played a couple times on the podcast, but I just, I I can't not play them just because they've been played a couple times. It's just not happening. I I do what I want. <laughs> so, first up, I have a familiar sound because she's been played here before, like I said, she's my friend from the Great White North, Taylor Jansen, who has a new EP dropping this month called Interpersonal, and she has blessed us with two songs from it. It was hard to decide what to pick between the two, but I decided to go with The Waiting Room because it gave me chills and such large emotions the song is obviously about mental health which is a theme throughout her music she's the sad song queen that we have all dubbed her she's amazing she talks about mental health she just talks about things that are related to her personal life I just I just love that she's just such a great person great musician and just super talented I personally have never been to a therapist before. I've never been to therapy, but in the song when she says, because the only person who listens is the person that I pay, for some strange reason, I really felt that in the deepest part of my soul. And I just, regardless if you relate to something or not, it's just a really great, it's just really great lyric. It's a really great song. And it's just overall really powerful. And as such a young musician, she's exploring so many difficult things that people twice her age are even afraid to say. So I hope you guys like this. I hope you guys like being sad because you're about to be hit right in the feelings. Here is The Waiting Room.
1: You see some- Every time they ask what's wrong with me If I knew I'd tell you But trust me I don't And you can diagnose me But that won't make me cold And I hope I never have to see this of again Again. spinning out my demons to somebody I just met she's taking notes just to forget what it's done to my
2: head.
1: Let the medication
0: Again, that was the song The Waiting Room by Taylor Jansen. You can listen to it on Spotify right now, and her new EP, Interpersonal, is coming out August 7th, which is next week, so make sure you guys pick it up. Her other song from the EP is called Stations, and that is also available on Spotify right now. You guys can also pick up both singles on iTunes. I'm not sure if she has a pre-order for Interpersonal right now, but it comes out in literally... Five days, so make sure you take a look for that. It's going to be really cool. So, speaking of Nicki Minaj, Ariana Grande is next on my list to talk about. Ariana has a new album coming out the 17th of this month called Sweetener, as well as. Nicki Minaj actually, Uh, Nicki Minaj has pushed back her uh, record Queen for the third time to also be released on the same date, and a lot of people who are really bored and on the internet and just want to pit women against each other decided that that was a thing and that they are um, that they are competing against each other, which Nicki has shot down obviously. But it's crazy because they have a song together, The Light is Coming, which I'm not sure if it's going to be on Sweetener or not, but. It's a collab. They've done collabs before. They seem to be really good friends. And I'm pretty sure that that's just not how music works in general, that you just decide that I'm going to put out my album the same day as somebody else so I can compete with them. And they're not even really in the same realm of music. So I have no fucking clue why people are so bored and they just want to make women seem like they're always in competition. So I'm glad Nikki shut that down because it makes no fucking sense. But anyway, So back to Ariana. So Ariana dropped a new song and video earlier this month called God is a woman. And what a bold statement in every way possible. Like, what the fuck? My friend Kate did a video reaction. And that was actually the first and only time that I got to see the video. But it was just so beautifully shot and really well done. And something that really caught my eye was this article from Nylon after the video and song dropped it was really intriguing to me it was titled why god as a woman was a missed opportunity and it was basically saying that it plays into the male gaze and isn't a power anthem like everybody keeps saying that it is for women the author of the article her name is aaron parker and the article is pretty short so i'll just read you guys the whole thing Erin wrote, let me start with this. I am a big fan of Ariana Grande. I've had no tears left to cry on heavy rotation since it dropped during Coachella's second week almost three months ago. And I'm known to belt Ari's lesser known bops such as Honeymoon Avenue in the shower, despite living in a three bedroom apartment in NYC, probably the size of your hamster's cage growing up. But even for me, a true fan, her recent single was a letdown. Initially, it wore the guise of a feminist power anthem. It sounded like something that was written for Beyonce. The exuberance and premise of the chorus gave me chills upon the first listen. I can get behind this, I thought. God is a woman? Couldn't agree more. I've always found it strange that God is so often portrayed as a masculine energy, what with women giving life to everything they touch. But when I took a closer look at the lyrical content of what's being held as an anthem of female empowerment, I noticed it was all on the basis of female sexual prowess. You, you love it how I move you, you love it how I touch you, my one, when all is said and done, you'll believe God is a woman. So before we call this a liberation anthem, let's look at what she's actually singing about, blowing a man's mind in the bedroom. Women have been taught our true power lies in our sex appeal since, well, forever. So in 2018, at the height of the hashtag Me Too movement, and when women are trying and succeeding at rising above our worth, being tethered to our sexuality, this is the last thing we need. While reflecting on the abundance of reasons women are actually godly beings, I realize sexuality is at the bottom of the list. What's more divine is our unwavering drive and determination to preserve, persevere despite the unriveling patriarchy and our affinity for getting shit done without obtaining the support or permission of those in power, rich white men. Yet the song caters to the same damn thing we've been programmed to prioritize since the dawn of time, male pleasure. The trope has been so exhausted that I'm yawning just typing this. I'm longing for artists to use their influence to write lyrics that delve a little deeper than a man having it the way he likes it. Don't at me if you catch me singing along to this track this summer. It's still a bop, but let's all be wary of the intent behind songs that promote male pleasure as the be all and end all because TBH, it's the last thing on my to-do list. Now, I don't totally disagree with her, but I also don't 100% 100% agree with what she's saying because I really don't think it's all about male pleasure on the flip side of this men are always saying how great they are in bed and how they'll blow a woman's mind and all of these things that they take pride in for whatever reason it can literally be nothing it's just them talking but with Ariana reclaiming the narrative saying it back like she's the superior one here seems a little more empowering to me because the way I think about it it's like Reminds me of the song Rocket by Beyonce, which she's metaphorically and so poetically talking about female masturbation and just getting off in general. And she's kind of saying what Ariana is and God is a woman. So I just don't 100% agree that it's just because there's a man involved in the lyrical content. It doesn't mean that it's all about him and it doesn't mean that women are always doing things for male pleasure. You know, what if Ariana Grande is proud of being this sexual being and proud of being Um, dominating over a man and giving it to him good maybe maybe she feels that that is something that she's taking pride in you know so I feel like she's kind of saying yeah I'm good at this too in fact I'm so good that you'll believe that I am the best and men ain't shit which is you know something that I would love to believe that somebody like Ariana Grande is Really saying, <laughs> I see it as taking back the narrative that women aren't as good in bed as men, and men pride themselves on being so great at this. And you know, Ariana Grande or Beyonce or somebody saying, LOL, bitch, you thought so. I just feel like it's not all about the male gaze. I really feel like it's just Ariana Grande doing her thing where she's just talking about being a powerful woman. You know, she's a dangerous woman, she's a powerful woman. You know, she talked about. You know, side to side, I thought that was a great song about, you know, getting it so good that you're walking funny. So I don't know if anything that I just said made any sense, but I don't disagree with Erin. I think that what she's saying definitely makes a lot of sense, but I also don't think that it's not a power anthem just because she's talking about um, giving it to a man. You know, I just think that there's two sides to that, but it was a really well written article. So, you know, more power to you, Erin. Uh, anyway taking a break for a second song by a band that I have definitely played before a bunch on this podcast but they're dropping a new record in September and I'm so excited about it I just had to play this song for you guys it's by the band gouge away who are from Florida I've I've like I said I've played them a bunch before they just put out a new song called only friend last week along with a video for it and also pre-orders for the upcoming record that it's on called burnt sugar it's up on death wishes website that I'll link to you guys in the show notes after so make sure you check out that. This song totally explores a newer sound for them, and it's just a really cool extension of their first record called Dies. It just gets me really hyped for the new record. So here is Only Friend. Again, that was the song Only Friend by the band Gouge Away from their upcoming record, Burnt Sugar. Pre-orders are available on Death Wish's website, again, that I will link in the show notes. The record comes out on September 28th. Now, in the midst of other situations, another big one that has happened is the overdose of Demi Lovato. A few weeks ago, it was reported originally that Demi had overdosed on heroin, which later was reported that there was no actual proof or anybody saying anything that she actually overdosed on. It was just speculation that it was heroin. Demi had recently put out a song and lyric video talking about her relapse after seven years of being clean in the song Sober where she confesses she is no longer sober. People were speculating that she wasn't sober anymore because of a couple of things. One radio station that I listened to talked about how she forgot the lyrics to the song at the show right before she had gone into the hospital, which I personally don't really think has much correlation. I mean, I'm not sure how many times she's played the song live. It's obviously an emotional song. Um, A lot of lyrics get um, muddied up and a lot of bands and artists forget lyrics of their own songs all the time it's not something that just happens you know because you're drinking or on drugs or something it just literally happens so I don't really think that there's much correlation I think people just like to speculate and just kind of pour salt in the wound of people that are hurting so I just I don't think that has any correlation whatsoever but I had to bring that up because I thought that was really weird But what the crazy thing is to me is throughout this was the support and the backlash. Now, I don't mean that I was surprised that there was support. I just mean that it's just people are so quick to write off addiction and they have such a phobia and hatred for addicts that unless it's their favorite celebrity, that is, uh, they just don't really care. They always think that heroin is bad and people that do it are bad and they should feel bad and it's just... You guys remember the death of Amy Winehouse and she was considered a crackhead, and how she was a druggie and just all of these really shitty things that people were saying about her. Meanwhile, the same people who called Amy Winehouse a crackhead are just crying about Demi Lovato, which, don't get me wrong, we should be upset about. She is one of us. She is a music lover. She is uh, a talented musician. She's always been transparent about things. She's a young girl. She's just trying to live her life. But it's like, why... Was Amy Winehouse a crackhead, but Demi isn't? Why are either of them considered a crackhead? Why is only one of them sad? Why is Demi going to the hospital over an apparent heroin overdose or just an overdose in general really sad, but Amy Winehouse being dead was just another junkie gone? You know, why was she considered a junkie? Why isn't Demi considered a junkie? Why is junkie even considered a term for people trying to better themselves or people that die over having an addiction, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. It's just people are so hypocritical and it's just really sad. And it's just the hatred for addicts grows and grows with every passing overdose or people dying or murders or anything like that is always the first thing. Like someone dies, we always check their criminal history and see, oh, well, they had cocaine once eight years ago. So obviously they were a junkie. You know, P- I hear all the time about how Jay-Z used to sell drugs and how that's just like, no matter what he does now, he can be a father of three beautiful children and he's just always going to be a junkie. It's like, no, he cheated on his wife. Why don't we talk about that? Who cares that he, you know, who cares about the drugs? But um, it's just, it, it makes me really sad. It It's kind of like when somebody commits suicide and we see the suicide hotline being thrown out for a second by people that probably bullied you in high school and never cared about suicide or anything like that. But all of a sudden, they just, (laughs) they seem to care when a celebrity dies. And then 20 minutes later, it's just old news. We're just so submerged in these cultures that aren't helping anyone or they're not doing anything, you know, tweeting out the suicide hotline every time someone kills themselves is not going to do anything unless you're proactively doing more than just doing that every time somebody kills himself. I'm sorry. But um, it's just, it's really sad because Demi has always been open about her recovery and her addictions in the past. And she, like I said, she's my age, you know, it's just, I felt like I kind of grew up with her in a sense, you know, with the Disney Channel days and Camp Rock and the early stages of her career. And she loves the same music that a lot of us do. And she's always just been really honest and it just really bothers me that people just sit there and love the sound of their own keyboard clicking away while telling a girl with an eating disorder since she was a child, things like, damn, Debbie is, Demi is thick now, or when did she get so fat, or them thighs though, or you know anything that anybody says on the internet nowadays about the female body. But now that she's in the hospital, it's all of a sudden, wow, this is so sad. I love Demi. Mental health and addiction is so important. We need to talk about this. Here's a suicide hotline. Ah, go get some help you can't be a hateful keyboard warrior and then claim you care about someone when they're about to die or have something this serious happen it's just not how it works you know you either care about them through and through or hate them through and through you know if you hate addicts then hate addicts but don't pretend that you know you hate addicts and you hate the homeless and you hate junkies but then all of a sudden your favorite celebrity is overdosing and now all of a sudden you have all this compassion for you know people that do drugs or people that are addicted to something it's just not how it works works. If you're going to be something, if you're going to be as shitty as somebody who hates and stereotypes addiction, then, you know, be that shitty person. Don't just pretend that you care about people just because your favorite celebrity is on, you know, is having a bad time. So, You know, that's all I have to say about that. But in most recent news with Demi Lovato, she's checking herself into a rehab facility and she's still trying to recover from the overdose. She's been having a really rough time. It's been reported. So hopefully that she gets better soon and hopefully rehab treats her well and she finds her recovery again. So with that being said, I also want to talk about something else. Uh, it's the end of the summer, so that means that Warp Tour is ending. It's the final Warp Tour, thank God. And I saw this article on Twitter that kind of related to that theme because, you know, Warped is a breeding ground for apologists and misconduct that nobody seems to ever want to address, but I guess that's fine. Uh, Clementine Creevy of the band Cherry Glazer have rec- has recently written an open letter on Facebook about sexual misconduct on tour. She wrote, the amount of sexism that my band and sound engineer slash tour manager face on the road is simply unreal sometimes. It's outrageous. We walk into a venue and people look the other way. They treat us with open hostility. They ignore us, call us names. The amount of times, the amount of names our front of the house has been called, besides her own name or at least your front of the house, is unbelievable. Miss, Missy, the lady, sweetie, it's simply disgusting. We're ignored, hated. It feels so awful when the stage manager looks at us and scoffs. Looks the other way when we come through the door. They ask us what we're doing here. Why are we here? Who are we? We're the band that you hired. Then you accuse us of being difficult just for existing, it seems. I walk into a venue with an open mind and an open heart. I do not assume that people will be disrespectful to us. Why would they be? What's the point of that? I assume that people hired to do their job are capable of just doing their job, greeting the band and taking them to the green room, loading in the gear, giving them a 10 minute warning before stage time. These are things that people of venue should know how to do. Haha, ha, we would know. We're a professional band. This isn't our first rodeo. Instead, they stand there with their arms crossed and sneer at us. And when we ask them for their help, their job they roll their eyes and laugh at us as if to say of course you need help when in fact it's their job to help us any band it makes me sick fills me with a rage that i know can't be healthy for me i feel bad for them living with such anger and stupidity i don't blame men of course i blame the patriarchy of which we are all victims but goddamn, some of them really do make it hard not to so clearly, based on that, nobody seems to be getting the hint that they are being trash. My only hope is for women in the music industry to continue to speak out against the misconduct, regardless if they get shut down or being told that they're lying or being dramatic. If you're always speaking out about things that are wrong, like misconduct, being sexually harassed, or anything that just isn't the way it's supposed to be, if you're considered being difficult for that, then you know what? Keep being fucking difficult. And maybe people will catch on. And maybe the people that... Um, do work with you, see that you're not being difficult and they'll catch on to that. Maybe you're just speaking out and that's why you're considered difficult by the industry. So I just hope that women keep speaking out on things that are not good, <laughs> that are just all around not necessary and that shouldn't be happening. So good on Clementine for that. I hope that she keeps speaking out and I hope that people follow her example. Now on a lighter note, thank God, Well, lighter-ish note, (laughs) Panic at the Disco has embarked on their tour for Pray for the Wicked, which brought out Haley Kiyoko and Arizona. Now, the Toronto show unfortunately prevented the two openers from performing because of... um border laws and they couldn't get their gear or something happened but either way they couldn't perform but kyoko came out for girls girls boys while waving around a pride flag alongside brendan yuri who had his own brendan has also come out as pansexual which i don't remember if i mentioned in the last episode i forgot how long ago he actually came out but in case i didn't brendan yuri has come out as a pansexual person Kyoko was also on stage with Taylor Swift on her reputation tour at the Boston date, where they performed the song Curious. A lot of people were really excited and happy about this, while others were saying Taylor is the peak of straight girl culture and how this isn't big news and how this is actually detrimental somehow. But as someone who doesn't actually think that Taylor Swift is a god or doesn't really follow her, I don't consider myself a Swiftie or anything. I just listen to her music, I think that she makes great music. But I was reading a lot of the Swifties' responses to these, and I was actually blown away by how much Taylor has done for the LGBTQ community that I didn't even realize or know. Taylor has been notorious for not getting involved in things like talking about politics, and she has been the subject of being called a white feminist because on rare occasion where she does speak up against anything related to feminism or being a feminist or anything like that, it's never been inclusive in the past. Now fans have pointed out that Taylor has actually dedicated the song Delicate to the LGBTQ community during Pride Month. Um, It's really hard to find Taylor Swift speeches on YouTube for whatever reason. Um, I tried recording this episode and got all the way done and then all of a sudden it got um, wrecked, the file, because of this video. So hopefully I'm I'm saving this in like a million different files because I'm not recording this again because it's just too much. But um, yeah, this is the Taylor Swift speech and I'll be damned if it doesn't get uploaded on SoundCloud.
3: That being vulnerable and being honest about how you feel and saying how you feel is really great. Um, and uh, you guys, June is Pride Month. And I think, I think a lot about how It's very brave to be vulnerable about your feelings in any sense, in any situation, but it's even more brave to be honest about your feelings and who you love when you know that that might be met with adversity from society. And so this month and every month, I want to send out my love and respect to everybody who has been brave enough to be honest about how they feel, to live their lives as they are, as they feel they should be, as they identify. enough to come out and um, and may you do that in your own time and may we end up in a, a world where everyone can live and love equally and no one has to be afraid to be vulnerable and say how they feel because when it comes to feelings and when it comes to love and searching for someone to spend your whole life with
0: As someone who rarely looks into Taylor Swift beyond her music I was really pleased to hear and see all the things that she's actually done that I've had no idea about and on some level I have a different respect for her and I I never not respected Taylor Swift there's just a lot of things that she's done as an artist that I don't really agree with but on some level I just feel that she is a decent person I just think that she makes a lot of marketing decisions that try to elevate her celebrity and all of that you know good for her but I just don't personally want to buy into it I don't want to personally support it but Taylor Swift has never made a bad song and she also isn't that bad of a person either so good on you Taylor Swift I support it (laughs) So anyway, speaking of Haley Kiyoko, she talked to Vanity Fair about the experience with Taylor Swift. She said, "'It felt really incredible to be acknowledged by an artist like her. I'm still in shock. I thought it was amazing that she even knows who I am, let alone to to have her support my music.'" Vanity Fair continued and mentioned how she also doesn't want to be known as a gay artist. She just wants to be known as being gay and being an artist. They said, later as Kyoko and I chatted in her dressing room, I told her I was baffled that these kids could ask such open, vulnerable questions at all, much less of their favorite singer. Kyoko nodded in agreement, but but said such meet and greets usually turn into life advice, talks that she may or may not feel prepared for. I'm like, um, you guys, I'm still figuring out life too. I don't have any of the answers to this, but I will do my best to answer. Kyoko also, uh, Kyoko wasn't always planning on her career being this, well, gay. I guess I just didn't want to be known as someone who was gay, she said. I wanted to be known for my art and what happened was that I am known for my art and that the art is gay. Now, speaking of the LGBTQ community and artists who don't want being gay to define their art, one of my favorite artists right now, Troy Savon, has spoken out about how he doesn't want to be called a gay icon. He told Another Man magazine back in May, while people like Haley Kiyoko and Brock Hampton were starting to get finally a diverse group of different LGBTQ perspectives, that's why I politely don't want to take on that gay icon thing. I'm one voice of so many that are missing, and I'm just trying to tell my story, and right now I'm having so much fun in my life, I feel confident. I'm just enjoying myself, and so that was really important to me to express. He continued, I don't represent everybody because I'm extraordinarily lucky. I come from a middle class white family in Australia and all of my dreams have come true by 22. I have the easy I had the easiest coming out in the world. I don't ever want to take that on really because there are plenty of other people who need to be heard first. Troy's album, Bloom, comes out on August 31st, and he is also a part of a new movie where he plays the role of Gary in the movie Boy Erased. That's coming out November 2nd in the U.S. I'm not sure when the uh, worldwide release is, but in the U.S. it's coming out November 2nd. It's a movie with a trailer that moved me to tears. Boy Erased was based on the memoir by Gerard Conley that is about the son of a Baptist pastor in a small American town. He is outed, by his, he's outed to his parents as gay at the age of 19. Jared, who is the lead character in the movie, is quickly pressured into attending a gay conversion therapy program or else be shunned by his family, friends, and the church. It is within the program that Jared comes into conflict with its head therapist. I am more than excited to see movies like this. I am more than excited to see movies like this being made in general. A lot of trailers at the movies lately have been either LGBTQ inclusive with the actors or the characters or, you know, just at all being inclusive in general. And they're just mostly black casts. And I recently saw the movie Blindspotting, which myself, my boyfriend and my movie buddies that lived that live in North Carolina now, Chad and David, we all loved. It was one of our favorite movies of the year. It centers around discrimination and stereotyping of a black man while also calling back to the shootings of people of color for doing things as little as moving their arms the wrong way. It's all a part of the Black Lives Matter movement which I think is really great and incredible. There's also another movie coming out titled The Hate You Give, which centers around a young black boy who's stopped for a traffic violation and jokingly moves his hands while talking to the girl in the passenger seat and the cop just shoots him dead. The movie is centered around the Black Lives Matter movement again, and you just know that Trumpers of the world are going to be already rolling their eyes. I I can feel it. Every time I'm sitting in the movies by myself and a movie trailer like this comes along, I just feel the eyes just rolling in the back of their head and I just I love it because it just shows how ignorant and racist people are well also you know I'm excited for these movies to come out I think they're super important and I think that we should have movies like this it's unfortunate that they're based on real stories but you know these stories have to be told and I've noticed that there's a shift in movie trailers lately they either center around black casts or things that are happening or recent events the hate you give was based on a book I believe it came out um, early last year so I definitely think that things like this we have to talk about. And I just love that it's just in a declining toxic waste dump of a country. We have things coming out that are essentially forcing people to look at. You know, I'm seeing movies that, you know, everybody's seeing and these trailers are coming up. It's like unavoidable. You can't go to the movies anymore without seeing a trailer with an all black cast. I mean, without seeing a movie. Yeah, that's (laughs) I don't know what I just said, but yeah, that. Um, it's just such there's so much diversity now it's just crazy that we still have people like scarlett johansson eating up all these trans roles and all of these cultural appropriation roles when there's people out there who are in these movie trailers that are obviously everything that hollywood is looking for to cast it's just showing that hollywood is also not ready to be inclusive and you know what they're knocking down the door so you better be ready I saw a lot of these trailers in regular movies, but I also saw three of the really important ones when I went to go see Eighth Grade, which is my, in my opinion, the most important coming of age movie that I've seen this year or even in my fucking life, to be honest. Bo Burnham directed it and it's just, you guys really need to see it. It's definitely my experience as an eighth grade girl and I grew up in the early 2000s. You know, I was in eighth grade and I, I don't fucking know how long I'm old and sad, but um growing up in 2018, I can't even imagine what eighth grade is like in 2018. I, I, I couldn't even imagine what it was like when I was, you know, in eighth grade, but it's really important that movies like this are being made because it just shows how tough it is, you know, being a young girl. And there's, um, there's a scene where it centers around the Me Too movement. And it's just such a harsh reality for a lot of people because, you know, when I was growing up, there was a lot of instances like that where boys just took advantage of girls, you know, and girls just kind of let them because they wanted to be accepted or they wanted a boyfriend or anything you know I know that I fell victim to that when I was young because you know having a boyfriend was everything you know having boys like you and touch you and losing your virginity was everything when we were kids for whatever reason and it's just really sad that nobody wants to be a kid anymore everybody just wants to grow up so fast because they see it as this fascinating thing but you know as a sad adult I don't know why I ever thought that that was something that I wanted So I definitely think you guys have to check out Eighth Grade. It's definitely an important movie. And I think with all the movies coming out, I definitely think that it fits the narrative. And I'm just super excited for all of these things to be happening in 2018, despite all the bullshit that's going down and the large orange baby that's running our country. So that's uh that's all I had um I have a couple of honorable mentions which is um number one is Tegan and Sarah had hand-painted gear stolen and they are looking for any leads so please go to their Twitter account to find out how you can help see if you have any information and see if you can help them get back their gear because that's really fucking terrible and Tegan and Sarah are awesome and they're really great human beings who have a great foundation and just have overall been incredible musicians and humans so that really sucks and I hope that they find their gear Paris has begun the writing process on their third record. And I fucking hate myself because I can't remember the article. I don't have the article. I'm pretty sure it was a Rolling Stone article, but I can't find it because um, I'm an idiot and I didn't save it. And I knew I was going to talk about it. and I still didn't save it. But um, they started work on it. They said that they have no expectations right now. Lynn says that she's definitely in a better headspace and she can't wait to see what comes out of it. Um, They have no deadlines. They're just kind of taking it slow and they're figuring stuff out. So that's going to be really cool to see from them. I can't wait. Paramore is doing their own last hurrah for the after laughter era on Friday, September 7th at the Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. They're bringing out tons of bands, including one band that I'm so stoked to see. They're the first band I ever played on the podcast. They're called Bully. There's tons of radio stations and places giving away tickets and they also still have a lot on sale, you know, just for purchase. So that show is going to be really cool. It's going to be like a mini Parahoy reunion. Everybody from around the world is trying to come and it's just going to be a really nice celebration of art and friends, which is what it's called. And um, yeah, being being there for our favorite band and supporting them and it's going to be a really good time. I can't wait. And last but not least, the only honorable mention that I have left is Haley Kiyoko is coming to the U.K., Due to tickets selling out really quickly, she's trying to work on a better solution, either um, giving more tickets out or doing more dates or both. So definitely check her Twitter account for updates on that if you live in the UK and you want to see Haley Kiyoko because she's really awesome and I think you guys should go and see her. So I feel like I missed a lot since the last episode. I'm sure I'll find a way to make it up to you guys at some point. Thank you so much for everybody that's still here. I don't know how you're still here, but thank you from the bottom of my heart. I always appreciate it. Um, before I go, I have one more band to play. They opened for Paramore on the first half of Tour five, which was the after laughter tour I went to over the summer. I absolutely fell in love with them. Uh, they're called Soccer Mommy and it's the brainchild of Sophie Allison, who started out as what the internet dubs as bedroom pop over the um, over the course of a couple of months. they've been um they've been doing a lot of shows and they've been getting more attention. I think that they're going on tour. Um, by themselves, and they're also going on a couple of dates with Casey Musgraves over the fall. So, definitely check that out if you guys are um, into Yeehaw, which uh, a lot of my friends are. They're really stoked for Casey Musgraves and her tour and her album. So, definitely check that out if you are a fan of Casey Musgraves and Soccer Mommy or one of the other. It's going to be a cool tour. Um, this is definitely something super dreamy. It sounds like. You know, windows down, going all over the East Coast to see your favorite band vibe. No, that's not oddly specific. Don't judge me. The song I love the most that they um, that they have that I'll play in a minute is called Last Girl. It's off their 2018 record, Clean, that just came out in March. So... Before you guys get to hear it, though, remember you guys can find me all over the internet. You can find me on Twitter on Rebel Hearts Girl. Instagram is Samus Socks. Email is rebelheartspodcast at gmail.com. Facebook is facebook.com slash rebelheartspodcast. And everything above and more is on the website, which is rebelheartspodcast.com. There is a link to the merch store and my blog that nobody really cares much about, but that's where I write all my feelings about music that just don't make sense for a podcast episode. Also, if you guys are interested in purchasing from a Canadian web store, my friend and fellow business bitch, Paige Backstage, has a really cool collaborative web store called CampUnlost.com that has a ton of friends that she's selling merch for. She has a lot of cool records for sale, a lot of cool variants. You guys have to check it out and pick it up if you can. There's a a lot um, that you guys might like on there. There's pins, there's patches, there's shirts, there's hats. She's got everything. So definitely at least... um, check it out. She's awesome. She's a really cool person. She's got a YouTube account and she's taken over the internet. So rock on page. That is also over the website. If you guys forget what I just said, so rebelheartspodcast.com, you can find uh, Camp Unlost and you can find my own merch and you can find other things. So definitely check that all out because it's all super cool. So as always, I'll see you guys at the front. Here is Soccer Mommy.